only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. How are you now? <laughs> How are you now? Folks, your Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 5-3 to three to the Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I'm a little bit pissed off about that one. Before I get into it, I'm going to level with you. Um, I was driving for the first two periods of that game. I was coming back from Moncton. I went to go meet my buddy. We had some dinner. Um, he brought me some uh, moose meat. He killed a moose recently, and I wanted to get some of that meat for myself. So I got a freezer full of moose meat, but I needed to. That's why I'm recording this episode a little bit later than I normally would. Uh, I needed to go back, and I needed to see the video of periods one and two so I could really comment on it properly, not just with what I heard on the radio. And yeah, there, there are some things that, that really bother me about that game. But let's get into it. Let's get into the replay. So first period was pretty low event. Uh, globally, right? Not just for the Habs, but for the Oilers as well. Habs had an 8-4 to four lead in shots at the end of the period. We had 12 total shots on goal through 20 minutes. Not what you would expect from two teams that aren't exactly defensive stalwarts overall. However, uh, about 16 minutes into the period, the Habs have a power play. And the power play, we know it's been a bit of a problem for the Montreal Canadiens, but, but, guess what? Mike Matheson over to Nick Suzuki, pretty close to the outside hash marks on the right faceoff circle, actually. He walks in a little bit and fires a snipe. one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. Not a great period overall from either team, really. Habs definitely had the better of the game, uh, or the better of the period anyways, at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, and they get a power play goal. They're up one nothing after 20. Penalty trouble, however, strikes the Montreal Canadiens hard. In the second period, they're already killing off an Arbor Jack eye tripping penalty that he took at the end of the first. Joel Edmondson goes off for high sticking. They do manage to finish off the Jack eye kill. I believe they did, anyways. But Ryan Nugent Hopkins scores before they can kill off the Edmondson penalty. That makes it 1 1. A few minutes later, Kirby Dock takes a holding penalty. Leon Dreisidel scores, and it's 2 to 1 for Edmonton. Then Joel Edmondson takes five in a game for cross checking. He gets up high, right around the neck of Zach Hyman with a cross check, and they give him five in a game. 
Um, more on that later. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. But that's that's a five-minute penalty that the Habs have to kill. And then to make matters even worse, even worse, not only is Edmondson gone for the game, so now you're down to five defensemen, but they take another penalty as well, Suzuki, for closing his hand on the puck. And guess who? On the power play, McJesus, Connor McDavid, makes it 3-1. Three to one. Three power play goals for the Edmonton Oilers in the second period. All of a sudden, it's 3-1, despite the fact that the Habs are still the far better team at 5-on-5 five five in this game. But the Habs get it together for a little bit, and that's important. Yola Armia comes into the offensive zone, just claps one on goal, and the rebound goes directly to Evgeny Dadanov. He puts that into a wide-open cage. It's 3-2. to two. And then the Habs power play. They get one back. Holy shit, all of a sudden, the Habs power play is doing something here. Nice pass by Uri Slavkovsky back to, back to uh, Arbor Jackeye at the point. Jackeye with a crisp wrister through traffic, and he ties the game at three. The Habs are right back in this. However, of course, later on in the period, Darnell Nurse jumps into a rush. Uh, he beats Jake Allen, uh, chicken wings Jake Allen, really. Jake Allen should have stopped that shot, but he didn't, and it's 4-3. to three, And that's our score at the end of 40 minutes. We go into the third period, and the third period is kind of a snoozer. The Habs, again, are, are clearly far and away the better team at 5-on-5 five five in that period once more. Uh, but they just can't seem to get very many high-danger scoring chances. And then, past midway point of the period, bad line change by the Habs. Guess who's on the ice? Connor McDavid. It leads to a breakaway for him after a giveaway at the offensive blue line by the Montreal Canadiens. McDavid in alone. Deeks goes forehand. He scores. He makes it 5-3. to three. Habs would eventually pull Allen for the extra skater. Couldn't get anything going. And that's our final, 5-3. to three. Um, Let's start with what pissed me off, all right? Number one, lazy fucking bullshit hockey being played by the Habs in the second period. You're dominating the Oilers at 5-on-5. Five five. You just need to stay out of the box. You don't even really want them to go to the box. I mean, you know your power play scored in the first period, but it hasn't been a strength for the team. So <laughs> you're not necessarily hoping for power plays you want that game to stay at five on five you're dominating that game at five on five just don't take the penalties but that being said when i look at that call on joel edmondson it's a penalty right let's get that out of the way immediately it's definitely a penalty he cross-checks hyman up in the neck there's no shot that i'm going to sit here and argue that he shouldn't be going to the box but five in a game Five in a game for that. I know there was blood, all right? There was blood. But there's blood a lot in hockey. And it doesn't immediately mean that the guy goes off for five. I, I looked at the replay. I looked at even a slow-mo version of that replay. Again, I was in the car driving back from Moncton through a torrential downpour, by the way, just trying not to die on the highway. And I, I heard it, and I was like, okay, well, he cross-checked somebody in the neck, so he probably should get a five. But then I watched the replay, and I watched the slow-mo replay, and I'm like, okay, this doesn't seem that bad. Like, I, I know, I, I, I'm sure there's people listening right now that are saying, what the fuck are you talking about, Matt? That's a cross-check to the neck. Of course, it is a five-minute penalty. But, I, again, I've, I've got the replay up right now. He hits him first in the shoulder, and then the follow-through kind of gets him in the neck. I think the blood comes from the fact that he's pressed up against the glass. And it's not like he was thrown into the glass. This wasn't like boarding. It wasn't super dangerous. I just think maybe, he, I don't know, bit his lip, bit his tongue. I, I don't know. I just don't think that's a five. I've seen way worse cross-checks not get five in a game. 
way worse cross checks. I've seen way worse cross checks not get called at all. So my issue with this, my issue with the officials is there's no standard. There's zero standard in the NHL. You can see a play happen one night. You might see this exact same cross check that Joel Evans went through. You might see it tomorrow night in a different game and it'll be two minutes or it'll be no call at all. That's how little consistency we have in this league. It's fucked. There's no way for you to know what anything is going to be if you go based on what you've seen in previous games. And we're talking night to night, game to game. We're not talking like month to month, year to year. I'm talking tomorrow you could see this same hit and it could be a two-minute penalty. They could review it and uphold the fact that it's a fucking two-minute penalty. Like, they, they don't know what they're doing. They're just picking and choosing. And in this game, clearly, they were picking the Habs more than the Oilers, which is odd considering that the Habs had the puck a fuckload more than the Oilers. The official stats, well, I guess they're not official. They come from Natural Statric. That's that's my favorite website to use for stats. Um Corsi is the closest thing that we have to possession, right? It's the best surrogate that we have at the moment until, and of course, they can come up with a way to actually track the puck and see whose stick it's on at any point in the game. But it was 62.5% in favor of Montreal, 37.5% for the Oilers. That tracks shot attempts, right? 37 shot attempts for Montreal to 20 shot attempts for the Oilers. It means the Montreal Canadiens had the puck enough to take 37 shot attempts, and the Oilers only had it enough to take 20. So who outpossessed who at five on five? It's the Montreal Canadiens by a wide margin. Yet, we had taking out the game's conduct penalty, we had five penalties called on Montreal and only three on the Oilers. Are you telling me that the Oilers are that well behaved? I don't believe you. I do not believe you. There was multiple opportunities to call penalties in the third period and they just didn't call them. What changed? Your standard changed. You have a different standard based on the game situation and the score of the game, which is fucking bullshit. That's not how hockey is played. But I digress. I I don't want to sit here and rant about the officials all night, spend enough time in my car. I want to talk about some things that were positive from this game. Maybe I'll talk about some more negatives as well. Maybe we'll make this a whole 20-minute podcast. Who knows? Um, Positive. So your silver lining of the night uh, is the power play for once. I am not willing to sit here and say that they've fixed it and that we're out of the woods when it comes to the power play. Not whatsoever. Uh, but I will say this. if you get, you, I, I railed on them when they had six power play opportunities and didn't score once. Who was that against uh, Columbus? I will praise them now that they had three power play opportunities and they scored twice. There's no, there's no arguing with results. right? In that game, they got the results. And... Um, the Jack Eye goal was kind of a five on three. Like it was the tail end of a five on three. McDavid took a hooking penalty and then Darnell Nurse flipped the puck over the glass. And that was what gave him the five on three. Now, by the time Jack Eye scored, uh, McDavid was already back on the ice. So effectively that goal was a five on four power play goal, but technically it was a five on three. So I guess you give him a little bit less credit for that one. But um, I mean, the, the puck movement was there. They're going to the right area with it, and they're taking dangerous shots with it. It works. Now, the first one, was a, it was a legitimate, you know, five-on-four power play. And they're trying some new things, you know. Suzuki's spot is usually where they pass it over to him at the point, at the right point, and he comes down to the top of the circle and shoots. The god of mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. 
Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. This time, as I mentioned in the recap, he was all the way over near the outside hash mark. And he walks down a little bit lower, like just below the face-off dot, I think, by the time uh, that he released it. Um, and snipes from there. So they're trying some new things, and I like that. So that's a positive for me, and that's why I would call it the silver lining of the night. Again, I am not prepared to say that they fixed the power play. We've seen enough horrendous outings from that unit, or those units rather, this season, for me to say that it's going to take time for them to come to any kind of consistency. But I liked what they were doing. Um, even when I went back and I watched that that first power play, I watched it in its entirety. Um, of course, listening on the radio, you don't get that same flavor of actually watching it live happening. And th- they look dangerous. They like they, This team knows how to do it. They, they're capable of having a good power play. Maybe not an elite power play, but they're capable of having a good power play. And a good power play would be a great step for this team. You don't need them to be elite yet. You just need them to be good. You need them to be passable even. Uh, and they were more than passable in that game, so that's your silver lining of the night. I also very much enjoyed Mike Matheson in that game. The radio guys were absolutely fawning over him. And I was like, you know what? He hasn't been great for me so far this season. So I'm really excited to get home and find out if that's actually the case, if he's playing well. Mike Matheson played great in this game. For my money, he was the best defenseman on the ice for the Habs. Uh, Which, you know, by the end of the game, uh, there was only five of them because Edmondson got kicked out. But... um, Great game, you know, gives you some hope that he can, you know, spin it around and uh, maybe all that time off hampered him a little bit. He was a little bit rusty coming in and now he's starting to put it all together. So that's great news for the Habs. Um, they, they need some of their veteran defensemen to play a little bit better because uh, I've mentioned many times I've not been super impressed with David Savard or Joel Edmondson. So it's nice that at least one of the veterans could start, you know, playing a little bit better. Now, I, I will say this. Um, I, I didn't think that David Savard had a bad game. I actually thought he was quite good as well. Uh, so I should give him a quick shout out there. But my second best defenseman on the night was Arbor Jackai. The fucking sheriff, folks. Again, he scores. Like, stop scratching this guy. Honestly, I don't know why we're scratching him. I think we need to give Edmondson a night off. Or we need to give Savard a night off. Honestly, after last night, I'm, I'm going to actually keep Savard's name out of my mouth on that. He actually played pretty good. Edmondson needs a night off. He needs a night off. Stop scratching Arbor Jackai. Every time you scratch him, he comes back and plays a great fucking game. Why are we doing this? Right? Keep him out there. He needs the reps. And if you're not going to play him, just send him to Laval. Let him go get his reps down there. Like, it's not like they're doing Shane Wright levels of bullshit, healthy scratches every goddamn night with Jackai, but I, I really don't like seeing it. I think he needs the reps. And I think when you give him the reps, he plays great. His possession numbers... 72.73% on the night at even strength. Whoo, baby. The one area where he struggles typically is in suppressing high danger shots. Usually in, in most games, they have a tendency to give up quite a few high danger chances while he's on the ice. And in this game, that actually wasn't the case whatsoever. 3-2 to two in favor of Montreal while he was on the ice. So 60%. 
I mean, he's he's taking steps forward constantly. Do not scratch Arbor Jacki anymore. He's fun to watch, man. He smoked, um, I think it was Zach Hyman in the third period. Like, coming down in the offensive zone, I think I think it was Hyman anyways. I have to go back and double-check, but I'm too lazy to do it. Just trying to cut around behind the net, and Jacki just comes in and basically hip-checks him. Um it, and Jack I fell down too because of the hit. So it wasn't like the most effective hit ever, but it's entertaining. What are we what are we watching this for if not to be entertained? He's one of the most entertaining players on the roster. It's like if you this is probably a stupid analogy, but it's like if you didn't think that like let's say you felt like you had better forwards than Cole Caulfield and you were like, "Well, I'm going to healthy scratch Cole Caulfield." Fuck you. He's one of the most entertaining players to watch. He's a jitterbug. He can deke people. He's got one of the best shots we've ever seen in the organization. Why are you sitting him just because you think you have better forwards or because those forwards are paid more so you feel like you can't scratch them or they're veterans or they block shots? This brings me back to Arbor Jacki. I don't give a shit that the veterans can block shots. I don't give a shit that they get paid more and you don't want to sit them. Sit them. Give them a night off. Call it whatever you want. Call it a rest day. Call it three rest games in a row. I don't care. Keep Arbor Jacki in the lineup. Um, I feel like he's getting better every time he goes out there. He was great in that game. That wrist shot in the power play was beautiful. Beautiful. He gave nothing away. He gave nothing away with that shot. They did not know what he was doing. He honestly looked like he could have been in the middle of setting up a pass. But he just fires that quick, precise wrister. It gets through traffic. And he ties the game for the Habs. Don't scratch him anymore. Stop doing that. Keep him in the lineup. I want to see what this kid can do. I want to see what he can do in as many games as I can possibly get this season. Elsewhere, um, obviously Nick Suzuki, great performance. Um, really enjoyed his performance. I mean, what, what game has he really been bad in this season? He uh, Actually... They, his line wasn't so great against uh, the Flames, the other Alberta team. So <laughs> maybe that last game. But him and Cole Caulfield were two of the top forwards. And Kirby Doc was right up there with them in terms of possession at 5-on-5. Five five. They ran over the Oilers at 5-on-5. Five five, and that line was a big part of it. Uh, Sean Monaghan had a solid game. Uh, I already mentioned David Savard. I felt like he played very well in that game. Uh, Johnny Kovacevic wasn't bad in that game. Um, Evgeny Dadunov scored. That's great. That's great. You're, you're hoping that you're going to be able to trade him at the deadline. You need some production out of him in order for that to be a realistic possibility. Uh, so more of that as well. Caden Gooley played a pretty good game. Um, the, the only real negative, I mean, Joel Edmondson played like shit uh, until he got kicked out of the game. Again, I don't really agree with the penalty. Um, I really think that probably should have just been a two, maybe a four, because uh, the stick was up high, so you could call it a high stick, and you could say, all right, well, you're getting four minutes because of the blood. Uh, but that shouldn't have been five in a game. Um, it's just stupid. But maybe they were better off without him because he was not good uh, before that. He had a shitty game. Um, who else? Uri Slavkovsky, again, uh, another solid effort from him. Gets an apple on the Arbor Jacki goal. Um, he's he's really coming along. He's coming along very nicely. Um, I, I got to say, I was concerned about that pick when they made it. And the last few games are really taking away a lot of that concern. He looks fantastic on that line with Sean Monaghan and Josh Anderson. Keep that line together until it stops working. Don't change anything. It's wonderful. I love watching it. Um, And I guess the only other negative, Jake Allen, uh, 
not quite the follow-up opportunity or the follow-up game rather that I think he was hoping to have after that Flames game. He really stole one in Calgary. Then he goes to Edmonton and he gave up a couple that were a little bit questionable. Of course, you're not going to fault him on the McDavid uh, breakaway goal. McDavid on a breakaway is hard for any goaltender to stop. But there, there was a couple that I felt like he could have had. But, you know, you know, we're splitting hairs at that point. I'm not going to sit here and criticize Jake Allen after he robbed Calgary of two points. This is the hockey gods coming back with some karma. You know, the Habs didn't deserve to beat Calgary. They did deserve to beat Edmonton. And the wins were reversed in terms of what they deserved because nobody gives a shit about what you deserve in hockey. Deserve doesn't mean shit. All that matters is who scores more goals. And sometimes it's you, sometimes it's the other team. Whoever deserved to score more goals is really immaterial to what actually happens. So uh, get used to it. I'm getting used to it. It seems like I've had to say this, you know, four or five episodes in a row. If you played that game against the Oilers 100 times, I bet you the Habs are winning at least 80 of them. At least 80. The other, the only reason I'm not saying 90 or 99 is because the Oilers have McDavid. And that's the last point that I want to leave you guys with. Even though the Oilers have McDavid and they have Dreisaitl, they're not winning dick fuck all until they fix some issues with their organization, personnel-wise. That team's not ready to win anything. They got dominated by the Habs at 5-on-5. Five five. What's going to happen when you get to the playoffs and you're playing against you know legit contending teams? These Habs are not ready to contend yet. The management for the Montreal Canadiens will tell you the same thing I'm saying. They'll say this is a process and we're still working on it and we're trying to build towards something. The Oilers organization seems to think that they're in win-now territory. And I understand why. You have the best player in the world. Of course, when you have the best player in the world, you're always going to kind of lean towards, well, maybe anything can happen if we make the playoffs. No, no, anything can't happen. You would need goaltenders to steal games for you. You don't have goaltenders capable of stealing games. You do not. Maybe you should trade for Jake Allen. He can steal games. We would take Xavier Borgo and your first round pick in 2023. I haven't even checked to see if they still have that. But, I mean, the, the Oilers have a lot of work to do if they want to actually contend. you got to build something around what you have. You, you can't just expect a couple of stars to just drive you through to a Stanley Cup. It, it can happen, sure, but it's not going to. You guys just got dominated by the Habs at 5-on-5. Five in a regular season game. The only reason you won is because the Habs took some dumb penalties, the refs called some dumber ones, and you capitalize on those opportunities. Great, you got a fantastic power play. Guess what? Teams that operate, the teams that live and die on their power play, they don't win Stanley Cups. They don't, and you won't. So fix your shit, Edmonton. Otherwise, you're gonna squander the career of one of the best hockey players that we've all seen in our lifetimes. I'm going to cut it off there because I'm already running 22 minutes. Um, obviously spent too much time in my car tonight, and now I'm just sitting here rambling. So we're going to end it there. We are running precisely 22 minutes, basically. So c'est une soirée inconnue pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.
What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.